coming to you from the Paranormal Warehouse, Destination Mystery paints the story for paranormal content, abnormal adventures, and the fun behind the investigations. Each week, Mike and Melissa will bring a new adventure that includes going to some of the most remote places in the West. They will tell the story behind the investigation and share with you the evidence they discover. This is not your regular paranormal show. These episodes will bring new content from locations that no one would think to investigate or explore. We will not only tell the spooky story, we will go to the location where the spooky story originated. Fasten your seatbelts as we take you on an adventure that will make you question what's normal and what's paranormal. Hello, paranormal peeps and weird wanderers. Welcome to our eighth Facebook live show on the Paranormal Warehouse. Um, I am Melissa with Ghost Girl Memoirs. And I'm Mike with Treasure, Paranormal Treasure Hunter. And we are Destination Mystery. Me either. Welcome to Destination Mystery. Um, if you're joining us via podcast tonight, we do a weekly show on the Paranormal Warehouse. It's um, at 1030 Eastern Standard Time every Wednesday. And we turn these Facebook Live shows into podcast episodes. This way you can join us wherever and whenever it's convenient for you if you can't see the live show. So um, if you are joining us via podcast, if you would please like, subscribe, and share and follow, that would be awesome. We are currently on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere that you might listen to your podcast. So if you miss any of the pictures or the evidence that we share on our Facebook live show, you can visit the website at destination dash dash. I can't say dash, destination-mystery.com. It is. And you can click on the link there that goes to our blog where I post the pictures. And that's uploaded weekly. Um, um, there's someone I was going to say real quick. We have Sierra says hello. Carol says you're back. Um, Vicky says hey, hey. Hey, hey, Vicky. And Lydia, Lindia says hello. If you um, want to comment, this is an interactive show and we would love to hear from you. Um, just know that I'm kind of horrible at going back and forth. So if I missed your comment or I don't read it correctly, I apologize. Kristen says hi. Um, and this is a family show. The stories that we tell might be slightly scary, but our language will be clean and I think you're fine to let your kids watch the show. Um, if you would do us a favor, though, and if you're joining tonight, hit the share button. That helps us to get the word out and um, just helps us be able to get the word out about our show. Uh, real quick, we want to thank Tyler for our music. We want to thank Cosette for our trailer, Mark for our logo. We want to thank Sierra, Lauren, Taylor, Bella Hobbs, and Curtis with Paranormal Teens. And we want to thank Michelle with Time Forgot. We also want to thank uh, our spouses and all of our friends and family who put up with our weirdness and um, still hang around, hang around us, even though uh, all we talk about is weird stuff. Um, anything exciting going on your way, Mike? Tammy says hello. We, uh, you I, had some fun adventures we this weekend, didn't weekend you? We spent weekend at City Rocks. Yes, we went to City of Rocks. Have you ever been there? You've been there, haven't you? Yeah, I've been there several times. It's where the the 
pioneers came through when they were headed. Oh, I forgot. Um, I we need my, to give her a mic. We do. My producer is over there telling me what to do. Um, <laughs> Jenna, I've got a, back great. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an extra at my house, so when you come down, remind me to give it to you. We uh, there's several little towns on your way up there. I mean, little towns, and they're about gone. But we drove through one of them and found some really neat old buildings. It was fun. Went camping and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we camped oh. up in the I'm in the rocks and had a good um, time. We I cleaned my house top to bottom, rearranged rooms. That wasn't any fun, but I did get all my Halloween stuff up. That was that fun. That doesn't like fun. Um, I also that is my favorite time of year. Mm -hmm, I love Halloween. I this season is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, my, yes. a couple of our investigators that normally go with us, Diane and Jill, we went and investigated some abandoned places this weekend, and that was fun. Nice. Um, I guess let's get into the story of what we're going to talk about tonight then. Oh, I was going to say we, um, we were all wearing our destination mystery gear. Um, we went on a hike this weekend to look at the fall colors in the canyon and we had a lot of comments on the gear so I, I gave people the website and hopefully they'll <laughs> they'll purchase some they liked it they thought it was cool it is cool gear mm -hmm. it's distinct it's very distinct uh, for those who haven't heard before you want to tell them what exactly that is so we've Just got the logo that we kind of put together was the the Sasquatch skull um, represents, I guess, two things that we like to go squatching, look for footprints and evidence of Sasquatch. And the skull part of it is, I guess, the the ghost part of it where we like to do investigations. Um, there's a compass on there for for our destination wandering. our wandering we never really know for sure where we're going to go or what we're going to end up doing so that's part of destination you don't need a compass history. for that <laughs> um, and we've Wander. been lost we've been lost a lot um what else oh the eye on the on the sasquatch is my eye i don't know if you can see it but it's half brown half bluish green and then the beard is mike's beard and we didn't get a UFO on there, but the eyes are shaped like alien eyes because we like all things paranormal and it's a pretty cool logo. Our brother helped us put it together. And I in Destination Mystery also, not only do we not know always where we're gonna go or what we're gonna find, but oftentimes we don't give out the location of the destination. Um, so it's a mystery as to where we are just because it, it might be in a, an area where there's no, I mean, we have to get permission to get on the land and people don't want trespassing or it's kind of a protected area that we just want to keep, keep protected. Jill finally joined us tonight. What's up, Jill? She's one of our favorite in persons to investigate with. Um, she's with Odette and Diane, who also go with us quite a bit. Jana says hello. Um, Michelle gives us a wave. Um, 
Jill says, love you guys. We love you too, Jill. We're going to have you and Diane join us on a show one of these days. Great investigators. All right, so our show tonight is going to be about another um, area that we investigated in this ghost town um, in a rural part of Idaho. It's called Shorty's Gulch, and it's a it's a gulch just in this ghost town, ghost town where there's a couple little cabins and mines, and there were quite a few tragedies that actually happened in this little gulch gulch and we're going to talk about one of those uh, tragedies tonight jill says woohoo jerry says hey guys what's up and janice says from west virginia i should start singing that song but i won't <laughs> can you hear me <laughs> your turn to talk yeah, mike yeah. Why, don't, why don't you tell this story <laughs> you're doing about... such a good job no why don't about you tell this story stout yep this is a. Uh... We titled it A Bad Day at Long Tom. Long Tom's the name of that mine, correct? Yes, and that that story that you're going to talk about is posted on top of the, the, the cabin. On the building, right? Yep. So there's two buildings there. One of them, the Chubb and Ellen Stout lived in it. His name was Harry, but they called him Chubb for whatever the reason. They lived in the Gilmore in, in 1962. They were still living there and still mining there. And that cabin, man, is it <laughs> very, very, what was the word? It's still a dirt floor in it. So mm -hmm. I'll, pretty, show uh, a, I'll show a picture of it. Yeah, show a picture. This is the outside of the cabin. It's pretty tiny. Oops. Oh, shoot. Don't want to show that one yet. I was going to show the inside. Anyway, <laughs> in 1962, <laughs> we're so good there at this. There it is. Here, keep, Tom keep, and tell, Ellen, keep telling your story. Here's the inside. Keep talking. Yep. Keep going. It's a pretty small place to live in. Yep. I think our tent's better than that. Probably. Anyway. Like many of the miners at the time, the Stouts were struggling to make ends meet when they struck a very promising vein of rich ore. They were very anxious to follow up and reap the benefits of this fortunate opportunity. So on a very windy day in June of 1962, Chubb and Ellen were busy working their claim. They had just finished their work for the day, as they, and as they got closer to the tunnel entrance, they could hear a terrible, terrible sound. It was the wind blowing. And... I could kind of tell how they felt because we had that storm the other day and we had trees breaking and we had, God, I was worried about our house. We could feel bad. the wind blowing right through it. We had, I spent the next week of work just cutting up trees that had blown over. Mm -hmm. So as they're entering the entrance of their mine shaft, the mine shaft goes right under the roots of a big old oak tree and that tree blew over and partially collapsed the mine shaft right on top of Chubb and Ellum. When the, her mom and dad got home, Lilla Stout be, were not home. Lilla Stout became very worried as she walked up Shorty's Gulch to the mine to see if everything was all right. What she found was Chubb and Ellen partially trapped in the cave-in, and she wasn't able to do anything for them. So she went to Warren Pierce for help. He was a neighbor who lived down the road. Warren's son, Roger, went into Ledor, which is about 45 minutes away, and stopped at Clem Zook's shop. 
When Clem heard about the situation, he rounded up the guys and they headed back to Gilmore. Before leaving Ledor, they called for a doctor and an ambulance. Once they arrived on scene, they were able to work under Chubb and get him out. But when they reached Ellen, it was a different story. Her legs were pinned behind her, and she was she appeared to be partially paralyzed. As anxious as they were to get Ellen out, they were afraid to move her. Fortunately, Dr. Blackador arrived on the scene, and after examining Ellen and stabilized her condition, the rescue team went into action. Clem asked the others to find a large plank, and they worked it underneath her. When, when they were able to do this, they tied Ellen on and carefully and slowly pulled her out. So I guess it was a makeshift backboard. Clem followed her out immediately and had barely cleared the tunnel when the whole thing collapsed and fell in. Clem was not injured, but he insisted that he lost one of his nine lives that day. So they all made it out just barely before the completely collapsed. Both Chubb and Ellen were placed in the ambulance, and as they rounded the last turn in the road of, out of Gilmore, Chubb suddenly stopped breathing. They had to stop the ambulance and resuscitate him before they could continue on to the hospital in Salmon. That's a good hour, hour and a half away from there. Mm -hmm. Lloyd and Beva Clark Beva, were at the scene and took Lila, Lila, Chubb and Ellen's daughter, to Salmon. Chubb's condition was serious, but Ellen's was much worse, and she needed blood transfusions. Fortunately, the hospital had just organized a potential blood donor list, so they were able to find a donor with a matching blood type. Ellen's condition was such that Dr. Blackador asked Lila to call her brother Larry, who was serving in the military, and tell him to come home to see his folks. Ellen's injuries were so severe that she was confined to a wheelchair and was told she would never walk again. Eventually, with the hope of a hip replacement Ellen's de and Ellen's determination, she did walk again, but with a limp and the help of a cane. This took place in Shorty's Gulch, June 29th, 1962. So, you know, a couple of things that. that, yeah, well, just a couple of things that I was thinking about when I read that story. Does it say how old the daughter is, Lila? I don't think it does, but I kept thinking if she had to go all the way to Ledor, um, probably. Oh, she went to the neighbors, Warren Pierce. But wasn't that in Ledor? She just went to a neighbor's. No, it was, he was oh. a neighbor there and they, there's Warren's son, Roger, took her oh. to Ledor to get the Because I was thinking that is a long way away. But even to get the family to Salmon, you know, with for us, it would be what an hour and a half but back then it probably would have taken it's an hour and a half drive yeah a lot longer yeah. and this would have been at night and i just thought oh man can you imagine being the daughter of your you know your two parents are trapped and you're having to go run somewhere to find help and i'm sure the neighbors weren't that close in the middle of the night oh there couldn't have been very many of them up there still uh -uh. this well the town was, was pretty the much 60s yeah, it was pretty much closed down by the 30s, so there wasn't much left. Yeah, so I can't imagine a neighbor being very close, and I sure as heck wouldn't want to run and find someone in the middle of the night, especially in that area, after what we went through while we were there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, Linda says, no hello. Kidding. Deb says, hey, y'all. Linda says, is this an open mic night reading a book? No, we're just telling this story about the um, 
place that we investigated and that was kind of one of the tragedies that happened there in that gulch. Um, I'm glad they so. put these stories up on the cabins. Yeah, it's really cool. Because they weren't there before and we didn't know anything about this. I've been to these cabins before, but I didn't know anything happened there. It was just an old building, so. It was I'm Dick, let's see, who put those up there? I have it right here. Dick Mole. Dick Mole and his brother. Yes. Dick and Bob and Mole. Bob. They did a history of Gilmore that you can actually get on the internet and it's pretty cool. They did a good job and they put all the stories on the cabins that are still standing anyway. A friend of mine was telling me that on Channel 10 on Outdoor Idaho, I believe, mm -hmm. they did a thing on Gilmore too and it had a lot of stuff on there. So I'm going to have to check that out. She just told it, me yesterday. It's one of my favorite places now and I've only been there twice, but I saw my first UFO there, which we'll talk yeah. about later. <laughs> and had a lot of really weird experiences, but lots of fun places to um, explore. Well, there's, there's the town's kind of broken up into different areas. There's down low, there's the town on the, where the store and the railroad was, and there's, it's in the sagebrush. Then you go up the mountain ways and there's another part of the town that's in the trees. And that part is just beautiful. And then there's mm -hmm. mines and cabins all the way up the road all the way to the lake and the part we did is on the other side of the road on the left hand side of the road and it's there's a few cabins in there and it's picturesque setting oh it's so pretty in there mm -hmm. i mean it's like it's manicured lawns and trees but it always has given me a weird vibe whenever i went over to that area mm -hmm. i've only been there twice and i've had a weird vibe both times but not not through the whole town just right there just that spot do you want to talk about um, a little bit about how we uh, felt after we got there? Well, whenever we, we ride four wheelers a lot, we, I lead the way and kids and wife and whoever people follow. And we pulled in, I started to take off my goggles. I, just as I was setting my machine off, I heard, I heard something, but I didn't pay much attention. But as soon as my machine stopped, the others behind me were still going. So I couldn't hear it very well. Kristen and I didn't is, think anything of it. Kristen is asking where we're from. We're both originally from Idaho, but I now live in Utah. Michael's still in Idaho. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't go far. So everybody else pulls in, takes their helmet off, and we just felt kind of uneasy um, as we were sitting there, but I didn't think much of it. And the longer we sat there, and this we didn't conclude until the end of the evening after we were done, but... Well, there was no birds chirping, no insects making noise, very little wind. We'd get occasional gust, and it, whenever we got a gust, it was coming from up the road, not from the direction we came, but from the other end. I haven't been past that because the last time I went that, that way, the person I was with wrecked the four-wheeler, so we turned around and came home, and I've never – I need to venture farther down that road. i just never done it. I don't know if I but want we to. Got the, yeah, it stunk. I don't know what that was, but it – I mean, it smelled worse than my kid's bedroom. It was nasty. Not this one. Have my you ever son. smelled the inside of Curtis's gym bag, his football <laughs> clothes? <laughs> I wasn't going to name names, but it was my son. Yeah. <laughs> stinking and it was it was it was a bad smell coming from up the road just briefly when the wind blew mm -hmm. 
yeah, we and continued I, on up to the cabin and did our investigation. Yeah, I, I thought it was weird too. Just weird that there was absolutely no animal sounds, no birds, nothing. Like it was quiet, quiet, almost an eerie quiet. We weren't that far away from the road and campers, no. and I don't, you couldn't hear them either. It's no. just a heavy blanket of quiet and heat almost. It, it just, it was weird. Um, yeah, I, it was almost like you passed through a wall of, I don't know, something, and you're in a different, different area because you couldn't hear the campers or anybody else around you and and it felt like the um presence the air and everything was a lot heavier in that gulch um but anyway you heard a twig break right oh yeah when we first turned off our four-wheelers we were kind of just sitting there for a minute because it was we all kind of noticed how strange it was that we were in you know the middle of a forest and there was all these animal sounds around and then all of a sudden nothing there was absolutely no noise but we heard a twig break it was on the hill behind us so opposite of the cabin but then nothing after that um but we we you know if we felt kind of uneasy but we decided to go ahead and get off our four-wheelers and go explore so we kind of went through the cabin a little bit um, and then we went up the hill to the mine, and I was going to show a picture of that path real quick. Um, so just past the cabin up up this hill, you can see Mike. Um, just up that hill is where the mine was. I thought that was Bigfoot. Nope, that's you, I think. Pretty sure that's you. There's not much difference. <laughs> um, and then... We, we got into the mine, and I have a short little video of that, of us just kind of walking through so you can see. I thought I did. I swear. I never have. I think I have everything ready to go, and then I don't. There it is. So that you just kind of see... Um, what it looked like. So it goes back quite you a ways and then there's a, a huge drop off. Notice how carved out that is. Yeah. Uh -huh. They just chiseled it out. But the pit is nice and square. I thought that was interesting. That's true, I didn't think about that. The shaft down was nice and square. Yeah, and it's and this one's just pecked out of there with a. Did they just do it by hand? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But they sure spent a lot of time on the shaft going down. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that's the mine. Um, we we did some EMF readings um, and just kind of got a feel for the place, and then we decided about. Uh, we went to the very end and then came back about halfway and decided to do an EVP and a spirit box session. I also tried uh, where we have the flashlight and you twist the top just barely enough so that it turns off and um, asked that, you know, to see if anybody wanted to communicate using the flashlights. And we went through a series of questions. Um, we asked, like, what did you mine here? Uh, who, who was in the mine? We asked, um, one of the questions that I asked was, 
if Ellen was there, Ellen was the, the mother who got trapped and her legs were were trapped in the mine. She was paralyzed for a while. We did get a female voice on the spirit box, but it wasn't audible and, he, and we couldn't really tell what it says. We just knew it was a female. And then we got the word um, legs come across our ov ovulus. And at the time, I didn't really think about legs. I'm like, you know, what does that mean? But if it was Ellen, she could have been talking about how her legs were trapped there in the mine. They were pinned behind her. Mm -hmm. And she couldn't That'd be an uncomfortable position to be in. And she had to have been in that position for quite a while before she was rescued. Um, and she was paralyzed for a while. So that's could have been why we got the word legs come across. Um, and Michael, you were using your thermal to kind of go through things while we were doing the investigation. And we probably were only there roughly seven minutes. Um, oh, but but when we did get the female voice come across, the flashlight turned on um, and nobody was even anywhere near it. So that was kind of strange. Um, you asked a specific question right when it turned on. Um, I don't remember that question. Oh, I, was, I just but... asked if Ellen was there. The flashlight That's came right. on. We got the female voice on the spirit box and then we got the word legs. So, I mean, I'm kind of feeling like, yeah, either her Ellen was there or, you know, her presence was there or some, some, something like that. Um, but then as you were using your thermal, you um, kept sweeping it across the entrance of the mine and I think everybody's unease just kept growing and getting worse and worse. And you finally made the decision that we probably should just leave. And yeah. you, you said that every time you pointed that towards the entrance, you just felt something was wrong. So you and Lauren were standing in like a little offshoot that didn't go very far that they started to mine and then gave up on. Yeah. So I, as I'm filming or, you know, viewing with my thermal imager, I'd point it towards you guys and then point it toward the end and it was okay. But every time I point it down to the entrance, if there's something about it, just spidey senses, whatever you want to call it, just was bothering me. And you asked me. How uh, did you freeze? Did I? Okay. You're good. I think you're good. You're good. Go ahead. Oh, we're, we're okay. Yeah. You asked me if I wanted to say something, and I said, yeah, we need to leave. I've never felt quite like that before. The entrance was just really starting to bother me. And the Mike is we... not one to leave ever. He never gets scared of anything. <laughs> and I wouldn't even say you're scared. It was just a really uneasy feeling. Um, yeah. So We're having internet problems, sorry. Oh, that's okay. So we um, we decided to leave the mine. We packed up everything as quick as we could, and we got out of there. And right as we were leaving the mine, we got the we got the word black mass come across our ovulus. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, I've got a picture of it. I think if you want to see. I always uh, I'm looking on the thermal, so I don't always hear or see what's going on with what you're doing. So there's a black mass that we got. Huh. And then I don't know if you can hear all my son. My son has all of his friends over. <laughs> there's legs. We got the word legs. 
Um, so hopefully you can't hear them in the background. It's homecoming week, so everybody's partying and oh, having nice. fun. Um, anyway, so we left the the mine and we got the black mass come across the ovulus. And, you know, I kind of wonder, were you feeling the emotions of the family who was trapped in that entrance? Is that kind of why you felt uneasy or was it something different? Um, you know, was it something different that you I were I got to be honest. Yeah. I have no idea what I was sensing. My cousin and I talked, we went back down there the next day, same time. And I did not have that feeling. We took our cousins and their kids and we all went through it. I did not get that same feeling that's the second night. I mean, this is 24 hours later. I did not get that feeling, but I was talking to him about it and he, he thinks maybe we were getting the, what did you call it? The, the emotions of feeling that they were feeling emotions but man when we got out of the mine shaft and we were sitting on four wheelers waiting for people to get helmets on and stuff my attention was still drawn back towards the direction of the entrance still so something up in the cabins up above it somewhere in there was just really eating at me we need to get out of there yeah and you know the whole time the next I day, was nothing the whole time I was there, I felt like I was being watched, felt like there was somebody there just watching us. Um, and mm. it, it didn't feel, I wouldn't say threatening, but not inviting either. Definitely um, not inviting. Mm -mm. So we, anyway, we got on our four wheelers and we started to pack up to leave. We were getting on our helmets and stuff. And as I was putting on my helmet, I heard footsteps to the left of me and they were running down the hill and it you know i i got scared pretty quick because we were all there so i from, didn't know from the where we from came the direction in. we came from yeah the direction we came in they were coming from the direction we came in mm -hmm. and i shown my flashlight over there because by this time it was pitch dark we couldn't see anything and i couldn't see anything um but your daughter lauren thought she saw something white in the road mm-hmm and, and then, she heard the footsteps too. I yeah, did not. She, she did hear the footsteps too, but we didn't ever see anything. And I didn't see whatever she saw in the road. Um, but, you know, by that time, like the hair on the back of my neck was standing up and we were just trying to get out, get out of there as fast as we possibly could. Um, so Michael kind of made sure that we all got out of there and um, he followed behind. But as soon as we got on the main road and headed towards camp, it was like the feeling was just gone. Everything was fine again. It wasn't until we got on the road, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it bothered me that whole, what, half mile back to the road. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like we couldn't get out of there fast enough. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, I usually lead the way. But on the way home, on the way back to the truck or camp or wherever we're headed, I always go last to make sure everybody makes it. And I leave it up to my kids to find their way back so they can practice returning just in case I'm not there. And it was all I could do not to drive over them <laughs> to get back off of there. It was bothering me. We weren't it driving really was. fast like, enough. <laughs> no, you were not. <laughs> um, but, you know, as soon as we got back to the, the, our camp, we kind of were talking about what we experienced and felt there. And that's when Lauren mentioned that she had seen a, something white in the road. And you were flipping through your pictures and found something. Yes, I was. You can put that up. Yeah, the picture I have isn't um, 
a very good it one. is not very clear and i would never have noticed this and maybe i'm just reading things into it but she just happened to say she saw something white in the road right as i flipped to this picture and uh i'm gonna sh okay you got it yeah it's it's up um you know that's better than i thought it would be is it it's kind of fuzzy it's not very mind. clear and i can't begin to guess what it is but we saw you kind of see arms and legs and shoulders and chest and when i saw that picture i immediately this one came to my mind it was a trail cam somewhere back east somebody else took that but it reminded me of that picture and that kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies yeah and i go ahead no i was just say i would never would have saw it never would have noticed anything in that picture it, just the timing was impeccable yeah so that was a, a kind of a weird image that he captured we're not sure what it was i mean there wasn't anything right the picture before it is in the mine and the picture after it's the moon up up um, above the cemetery camp. yeah yeah so it was in between there and i don't remember having my phone out i'm sure um, i did i just don't remember it irene says hi from japan thanks for joining us irene um yeah so anyway so we uh we kind of talked about that that night and then you know the next day or about a month later we went back up there on our four wheelers and we went back to the gulch to investigate there's another um shed up there that we wanted to investigate that kind of had a tragic story to it so that's that was our goal and we did do that but um driving up to the gulch was kind of the same thing um no animal sounds you had that really stinky wind that would blow through from the back of the gulch every once in a while um kind of felt i wasn't quite as uneasy that time but still felt uneasy and still kind of felt like i was being watched it was nowhere near as bad as not as time. bad but still kind of there and we um michael actually noticed what looked like Bigfoot did I tracks. see the first one? Yeah, you did. I thought it was one of the kids. Well, I was over investigating the, or looking at the shed, and you were on the other side of the road, and you found those tracks, or what looked like. Oh boy, I can't tracks. say what they were, but. But the thing that we really noticed was it looked, you could see them kind of walking up the hill, or you could notice Coming them. up the road. They crossed the road. Oh, yeah, yeah from the direction we came and then 50 feet up past that giant tree and then immediate 90 degree and straight up that hill and you could see told the you know where it was digging in and going up it's a steep hill mm -hmm. but how many tracks were, did we see uh five or six at least at least full and ones were, and there's partials they were quite a distance apart too so you know you tell me you could see that who who has feet that big enough that's going to be out there wandering around without their shoes there's quite a ways from any camp or any place to camp and it was pine needles and gravel a lot of I mean, rocks would, you'd have to have some serious tough feet to walk yeah. on it not every print was complete but there was enough of it. You could see toes, heel, the outside of the 
foot, whatever, whatever it was. We all, and we noticed too, that it did have that mid tarsal break in the foot. Like um, it, so it, the mid tarsal break is the, the joints in the middle of an ape foot that have less mobility than what a human foot has um, because of the arch. And I was gonna show you uh, my big fall foot. out of the chair. <laughs> I don't know if you can see that, but this is a Bigfoot print. This is a cast or a replica of the original Patterson Gemlin track. And this is the metatarsal or mid tarsal break right there. And you could see that in the pictures that we or in the footprints that we saw. Um, and also, I got it signed by Jeff Meldrum, yeah. which, I, which I'd like to talk about him one of these days. He's one of the top Bigfoot researchers in probably the world. And he lives in Idaho. And he's extremely interesting to listen to. If you ever get the chance, I highly recommend it. Um, he also, where's my book? He wrote this book called um, Legend Meets Science, Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. And it talks a lot about the anatomy of the print. Um, it's an interesting book. And I got that one signed too. Very interesting, nice. It's one of my favorite things. Um, I was going to show you, oh, Apple says hi from Taiwan. So we got Taiwan and Japan here. It's great to have you both. Thank you for joining. I was going to show you the pictures of the print that I have. And I don't know how well you can see them. My, the ones my wife took didn't turn out very well, but, but can, can you, you see zoom the, in? Um, yeah, I think so. So you can see the toes up here. Can you see my pointer on my mouse? Yeah, yep. Um, this one's kind of hard. Well, you can see like the outline of the foot here and then there's the, the heel. You can't really see the mid-tarsal break on this one, but definitely the toes. And then, whoops, I have one more. If it had been one print, I'd be like, uh, but there was many of them. So there's and my fat foot. And up at the top, you can see the toes. Um, and then the outline of the, the heels right here. But you've got... It, go ahead. I was just going to say it must have been fairly heavy because our four-wheelers didn't leave very big, barely noticeable tracks right next and I, to it right and i'm pretty so, heavy and mine didn't several hundred pounds either. <laughs> um yeah it was it was interesting but you know we we always learn something new and from now on we're going to be carrying an, an uh, evidence kit so we'll have our casting supplies and our tweezers and our baggies and all that measure. stuff make sure that yeah Axe. tape measure <laughs> We ever run across anything like that again um we want to make sure that we can get some better evidence than just a crappy photo um but you know the feeling that i had about being watched um and just having an uneasy feeling and that smell you know i kind of got to thinking was there a sasquatch around is that why we were feeling weird and i've never seen one i've never had an encounter although i really want to 
um, a friend of mine that I was talking to, his name is John, and he's actually, actually with Cash Valley Bigfoot. He mentioned infrasound. Um, and he said that more than half of the Bigfoot encounters that he's documented, um, these people have had the effects of what infrasound um, is. And um, I was just going to read a little bit about an article on that that Cliff Brackman wrote. He said, the feeling of being watched is by far one of the most frequently mentioned anomalies in a Bigfoot sighting report. And in his opinion, the infrasound can account for most, or sorry, can account for most, if not all, of the seemingly inexplicable reactions. Many animals emit these sounds that cannot be heard by human ears. The sound is measured in hertz. Experiments by the US military indicate that infrasound can have profound psychological and psych uh, physical effects on humans and other animals. And this is why we didn't hear any animal sounds at the gulch. This is my theory. Um, is it believed that Bigfoot uses infrasound to navigate much like whales and dolphins in the ocean? Um, they can communicate across long distances like elephants do using this. And the theory is also that they use this to protect themselves, much like tigers and lions do with their roars. Um, and according to Cliff, the infrasound has been shown to be present in areas widely considered to be haunted and many places frequented by Sasquatch have the same reputation. Research suggests that the infrasound frequency of 19 Hertz could be responsible for many ghost encounters. Um, it has also been known to cause strange lights which are often included in Bigfoot sightings and ghostly encounters. So, you know, they could be um, what people think they're seeing UFOs or orbs. I guess that the infrasound can cause the, the weird lights and, and stuff to manifest. So, I mean, a lot of that, you know, what he just described there kind of is how I felt when we were up there. So was Some there a Sasquatch around? Right. You know, was there a family of Sas Bigfoot Sasquatch Big around? Sasquatch? <laughs> One of those prints the big large prints do you remember we should i think we got a picture of it but there was one turned like he stumbled like he was hanging onto mom's legs there's one baby print there right on the heel of one of the bigger prints going you know like 90 degrees of off of the big print do you remember that one it looked I like a little, so. a little baby print but i but still bigger was, than my foot yeah, but it was half the size of the other ones or more. And it what we got there was more than one print there. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'd have just thought, man, I'm just hopeful thinking right. hopeful vision. But right. there was multiple and we should have tracked it farther down, but it was getting dark fast and we'd gone up there for another reason. And you know, in my head I'm thinking, now nah, this is just hooky there's no <laughs> yeah there's, they're not real but there's no way there's no way i could find one but there was there was definitely and i don't know why it decided to make a 90 degree turn after those two large trees and it went straight up that hill and you could see you couldn't see um prints but you could see where something you know if you're tearing up a hill like that only your toes are digging in and you could see like, just 
twigs and tree and bushes it was and stuff. the dirt it was it Pretty was sad. just dirt for halfway up mm-hmm. and you could see each spot where it recently had been disturbed so you know is there a family living there of bigfoots or sasquatch who knows but you know that could have accounted for a lot of what we felt and and a lot of the things that we experienced i mean i also think we may have experienced some some spiritual activity with ellen and um some of the leftover emotions and there are a lot of tragedies that happen there so there's just a lot of emotional energy that i'm sure is left behind too but this was different your name for that for what energy left behind is there a Um, specific term for that i'm sure there is but like i can think of it when we're live on facebook I can barely say my own name <laughs> when we're on here. Um, if somebody knows what that term is, comment for us. Kathy says hello. Um, but this was, I mean, I've been in, in areas where we've had a lot of spiritual activity or, you know, this was different. This was, this was definitely different. It wasn't the same thing. The way I felt was not the same. And I've, I've been pretty scared before, but this was more than, I mean, this was just a really high sense of unease. Residual. Lorraine says residual. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure a lot of it is residual energy that's, that's around, you know, there's the theory that the rocks and, and stuff hold that residual or stone hold that, hold that residual energy. And there's a lot of stone and different metals and ores and stuff up there. I mean, they used to mine. Um, I think they mined more than just gold and silver, didn't they? Uh, there was a lot of different ores um, that they that mined up there. Kathy asks if we ever take any psychics with us. Um, no, although there's, I have a friend who I do want to take with us one of these days to see if she picks up on the same stuff we did. Um, but I, I do think that one of the investigators that goes with us frequently can, I don't know that she's necessarily psychic, but she can pick up on stuff quite easily. And she's usually 100% right on what she picks up on. See, I don't pick up on anything. Even when my wife's hinting, you need to spell <laughs> it out, hit me on the head. Otherwise. I often can feel the emotions and stuff that are there, but. Um, I'm not psychic. Talking to my cousin, that his sisters kind of have the same gift, so mm-hmm. it seems that maybe it runs in the family, at least on the female side. I don't know. Being able to pick up that kind of... He, he was telling me they were in a different mine shaft before they closed them, and one rock fell on one of the miners. I'd never heard the story before. And his sister did not know this going in, and she felt empath. Is that the word? Empath, yep. Whatever. Empath. She felt what happened in her stomach, and she's starting to talk about it. Is that yeah, right here's where the where that accident happened. So yeah, so that I think that definitely resid- a thing. Mm-hmm, that residual energy definitely sticks around, especially in an area like that where so many tragic events occurred. But you know. One of the things I just wanted to mention real quick was 
you know, hence our name, Destination Mystery. We go out on an adventure to try and do one thing, and sometimes it completely goes in the other direction. We were not looking for Bigfoot or prints or anything like that, and I, I think we might. Be honest, I think I think so too, but I uh, I'm not an expert. But I don't even think I was thinking about Bigfoot, and I usually, you, usually you know, as it gets. Usually when it gets darker and there's things for them to hide behind, you're like, mm, man, I hope I don't, I want to see one, but I don't want them to jump out and scare me. Cause I don't want to be too close. Be, <laughs> I don't want to be that close. But yeah. even even when the time before when she saw that and we heard the footsteps, or you guys heard it, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think I was thinking about that. So I was thinking about more of maybe the accident and what happened in that mine shaft. Yeah, I was too the first the time. It looks like there's a skeleton in the bottom of that. It does. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking the first time too. But, um, you know, when I got home and was talking to John and stuff, I thought, huh, he was describing um, the infrasound. And I'm like, that's kind of exactly what I felt. So I wondered. And then when we went back up there and found what we thought were prints, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um we have Matita, I hope I said that right, from Pennsylvania that joined us. And then Alex says, maybe it's remnant energy. I think very possibly it could be. Um, anything Why did your you, curtains just move? My dogs are fighting. Oh. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> no, they're right there. <laughs> it's my dogs. Um, I haven't had anything weird happen lately, by the way. And I forgot, I forgot to um, do our commercial, but we just wanted to give a shout out real quick to the Idaho Falls Plumbing Company. They uh, sponsor us and they um, do an excellent job of dealing with plumbing issues. We've used them on multiple occasions. So has Mike. And um, you'll never you'll never get a better plumbing company c- come in. So if you have any issues and you need um, to get a hold of somebody, you can call the Idaho Falls Plumbing Company at 208-569-9743. That's 208-569-9743. And they, they want you to be proud of your pipes. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing too, did you want to add anything to the story or the investigation, <clears throat> Mike? Um, I was trying to think. The area where we were at was there's a road right down the middle of a, a gulch, but man, it is steep on both sides. It is heavily, heavily wooded, and those trees are pretty big in diameter. So I don't, not a lot of that human activity goes on right in that area above other than driving down that road i don't think it just it didn't look like many people are in that area there's nowhere to camp really because it's kind of narrow you have to go out into the flats there's no way i would camp there so, no, so no, no, no no very possible that there's something living up there that we don't know about because there isn't a lot of a lot of human activity it was interesting very interesting. Um, I wanted to just give you a heads up on a, an event that's happening tomorrow. Um, if any of you follow the Alien Con, they're doing another live show tomorrow. Um, you can register for the event by going to the aliencon.com. They're going to talk about Skinwalker Ranch. So that should be a pretty good show. 
Um, I just started that book a week ago. I've read it twice. <laughs> and um, I have two, and I just started it for the third time. Uh, Ashley Flowers on her podcast, um, what's it called? Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Just did a podcast about that, and that was pretty cool. Um, I was also going to give a shout out to her new one called Full Body Chills. It's good. It's a really good one for Halloween if you're looking for spooky stories. Um, but this this um, event tomorrow on the Alien Com, Con looks very interesting. So you can sign up for that, at, and it's free. And they do they, they do these every once in a while, and they're really good, really good to listen to. So sign up for that. Um, and then we just wanted to, you know, talk about one of the causes that we support. Um, one of them being suicide prevention. Um, you can go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org to get more information. And if you go to that same website slash chat, so suicidepreventionlifeline.org slash chat, you can talk to or chat with someone if you don't want to talk to them. Um, you can also call the hotline by going to 1-800-273-8255. They have a lot of different services on there, um, just depending on, you know, what kind of issues you're having. And they have people that are um, professionals that can deal with any type of um, issue that you might be going through. So we just want to give a shout out to um, all the mental health advocates and Thank you for uh, doing what you do. Make sure you take care of your mental health, especially during this crazy 2020 year where everything has just gone insane. Um, Make sure that you talk to someone if you need to. And we hope you can join us next week for another good episode. I'm going to put out a... um, a graphic that's going to show our October lineup. We have some really good shows coming up in October. One of them, we're going to show uh, a piece of evidence. It's probably the best piece of evidence we've ever captured um, in a place that you never would think there'd be anything. That just gave me a full body chill. Yeah, me too. Uh, We also have an episode where we're going to be talking about um, Mike and I grew up when, when we were growing up, there was a string of cattle mutilations that happened in our area. And we have a special guest that's going to be joining us for that. His name is Chuck Zukowski. If any of you have ever seen The Alien Highway, um, he is he is on that show. And he's the officer whoops, that they talk about in this book called The 37th Parallel. He is a fascinating speaker, and he is knowledgeable and full of information on the subject. And I can't believe he's actually going to join us on our show. But he I'm so excited. He said he would, and it's going to be a really good episode. So we have a couple of really good ones coming up in October, and it'll be. Is exciting. there something wrong with me? Because I have been completely fascinated with the whole cattle mutilation. Even since a little kid, I did my report in high school on them. I think the teacher, I scared the teacher a little bit, but. Well, I think I did one too, but it was part of what happened when we grew up that we, we never got an answer to. And it was a huge. There has been no answers, no clues, no nothing. Nothing's ever been. I don't remember this. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, but the the dads went out patrolling to keep mm-hmm. the cows safe and the moms and kids all stayed at the same house yeah. that's why daddy had bought that gun i never knew that until years later it probably scared them half to death but i've been 
I guess the fascination is, is how come nobody, nothing has ever been resolved. With nobody, nobody knows what happened or why it happened or who did it. How it happened. Yeah. And Maybe that's was, what fascinates me so much. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that'll be an interesting episode. Um, I think I might even have articles. I think I found some articles and stuff about it. So um, anyway, we want to just thank everybody who joined us and till next time, Squatch on. Stay weird. Have a great night. Good night.